0: Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, we're back again for another episode and first of all let me thank you for listening, however you are uh, listening to us, uh, whatever podcast provider you're using. Make sure you subscribe to our channel, that way you always get a notification when we release a new episode and you never miss out. My name is Matt Southgum, and this afternoon I'm joined once again by Andy Howell. Andy, how are we? Pretty good, uh, thank you Matt. Good stuff, good stuff. Obviously, uh, we, were, we were with you a couple of days ago. We've, we were talking about the Wales team, but since then, things have moved on slightly. Uh, we thought there might be a bit of a storm brewing with the residency rule having, you know, Wayne Pivak having selected uh, Johnny McNichol and Willis Halaholo, who have just qualified on residency. As such, uh, it has blown up a little bit over the last few days, and we'll get into that shortly now. Before we do get into that, I think it's important just to run everybody through what the rules are. Um This is basically how you become eligible to play for a team. You're either born in that country, you have a parent or grandparent who is from that country. There is obviously currently the three-year residency rule and uh, you have 10 years of residency in that country before you start playing rugby. So those are the rules. Um, Former Wales Centre, British and Irish Lion, Gavin Henson, as I'm sure most of our listeners will now be aware at this point, had some pretty strong views uh, on the selections of Johnny McNichol and Willis Hallaholo in Wayne Pivak's side he, he's pointed out that they weren't Welsh um, he said he used to rib his ex-teammates who had qualified for the side on on um, residency as well um, and some of them agreed uh, according to Henson um, and he felt like the, that it should be okay as long as you've spent a certain number of years in that country Andy, what was your reaction to Gavin Henson's uh, few tweets uh, the other night?
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised because Henson's always expressed his, uh, his uh, opinion. I was watching him on TV last week, he was uh, on The Hunted. Won the competition, you know, the fugitive raising money for cancer. But this time he is doing the hunting and he's hunting <laughs> Willis Hallaholo and Johnny McNichol. Ensign, he caused a bit of a storm back in 205 in his book after the Grand Slam by Grand Slam year. And I think he said the same things about uh, Cobain, Brent Cobain, Sonny, uh, Sonny Parker uh, and uh, the other guy at the, um, at the time. So, you know, Gavin, he would strike a chord with a lot of Welsh supporters and a lot of rugby followers throughout the world because this is, uh, it's not a a phenomenon just in Wales. This is happening, you know, in all the major rugby countries where people uh, go to those countries and they end up playing for that team. Did I say it, very often for the monetary side of it, as Nathan Hughes, the Fijian, who's been capped by England, he's one of the few who's ever come clean about it, he didn't say I'm immersed in the culture in England or anything like that, he just said I'm playing for the money, it was like 20 grand or 20,000 a match, said in Fiji we like a play for a tenner. Mm-hmm. and and that's it and that's the nub of it uh, uh, for a lot of it I'm not saying it's the same situation with uh, Willis Halalolo and Johnny McNichol because clearly they are well paid and the day jobs with um, Halalolo with Cardiff Blues and uh, McNichol uh, with the, the Scalets I, I, I think Henson I think he's got a point but Wales are just playing by the rules so if the rules are in place, why shouldn't why sh- should Wales cut off their nose despite their face? And uh, you know, when England got a lot of foreigners playing in their team. Yeah, we'll get on to that in just a little while. Um,
0: John Mulverhill, Cardiff Blue's head coach, was up for press yesterday. Obviously, um, Halaholo, one of his players at the Arms Park, and and obviously on the agenda was Halaholo's Wales call up and the residency rule in general. This is what Mulverhill had to say uh, about the residency rule. <laughs>
2: I think um, if players who are uncapped elsewhere um, spend a significant amount of time um, in their region and they've really bought into the culture, I can't see a problem with it. I know that the rules now are five years and maybe that's probably a bit more reflective of what what I I think probably should happen worldwide. Um, You looked at uh, the Japanese team, there's probably 10... um, Boys who are non-Japanese, but um, if you if you meet them and you spend time with those guys, and I'd coached a few of them over the last number of seasons, that they are absolutely ingrained in their culture. They speak fluent Japanese. That they love it and. Um, know that they're they're happy to play at the top level in on the big stage um, for for Japan, and I'm sure that um, the boys who are picked who are outside of from outside of Wales and have done their residency will feel the same way about playing for Wales. So so there we have it then, Andy uh, Mulverhill.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not buying that at all <laughs> long because how uh, many players overseas players actually would stay in Wales afterwards? I can think of uh, two New Zealanders now. My old mate Emmy Taylor, has got a farm in uh, West Wales and. Uh, ex-Blue's captain capped a few times by uh, New Zealand actually Xavier uh, uh, Rush. though he, now, of course he never played for Wales but him, he played quite a lot for, uh, for Wales they've stayed over here um, Jason Jones Hughes he was about for a while not sure if he still is Sonny Parker was but I understand he's gone back to New Zealand most of them end up going back to where they come from mm-hmm. so you know all about immersion culture huh? I love living here and all yeah on a short term basis
0: so, so where, where do you fall on on the residency rule? Do, do you end up? Are you more in the Gavin Henson camp, or are you more in the John Mulvihill camp of supporting it? Although you don't perhaps agree with some of his views, you know, where do you stand on that residency right. rule?
1: I'm in the Gavin Henson camp, which is as follows: I agree that players should be able to play uh, for the country of their parent or grandparent, and that's it. Otherwise, I think there should be a residency a residency period of ten like ten years. Uh, and if, if it's a child it's a different situation but I think once a child is over is a teenager perhaps 13 years age they should be covered by the 10 year thing about playing for that country because you know, clubs in France and other, and New Zealand have done it over the years Australia have done it they go to Fiji, Samoa and all they find a the kid who's really good they, they take him to Australia or New Zealand put him in through the school system So it's a paid, paid for a scholarship if you like Um and, and French clubs are doing it now. They've got academies in Fiji, I think, and mm-hmm. Samoa. So, uh, you know, so I think to eradicate them um, nicking those players from over there, that uh, I would have a 10 year thing.
0: So, obviously, we know that the, the residency uh, period is going up to five years um, as of December 31st, 2020. So, if you're not, um, if you were, if you moved to a country and, and after December 31st, 2017, you, you lose that three-year residency and you have to be there for five years. So basically, if you're not in um, by December 31st next year, you are then going to have to be there for, for a five-year period. So you don't think that's long enough?
1: No, but I think that's a start. I can remember in the old days when Hemi Taylor, for example, was capped by for Wales. I think there was like a, I don't know if it was a Wales thing, but it was like six years to play for Wales. And because he went home on holiday, he had to start serving a period again. So it was actually years before he played for Wales. But uh, I don't think, no, five years is a start. It's much better than three years. But uh, I would like to see it be longer than that. Uh, Ten years. I'm all for players playing for their own country. I want Fiji's best players to be playing for them. If you want a game to be truly competitive at world level, you need players playing for their host Countries, so you know, it'd almost be a level in, be a level playing field if Fiji's players were playing for Fiji, Samoa's for Samoa, Australia were only picking Australian players, England were only picking uh, English players, Wales were picking only uh, uh, Welsh players. It would and New Zealand, New Zealand does. Uh, it'd be a much more level playing field. And I think that'd be better for world rugby because you look at the World Cup at the end of the day, you know, you came down to four teams in the semifinals and it's the same old, uh, same old four. You look at the quarterfinals, seven of the eight, it's the same old boys ruling the roost all the time. Um, I want to see rug- rugby become a, a bigger uh, world game with more countries uh, being uh, competitive like footballers. Andy, what do you
0: make of it then when, when people sort of point to the fact that the likes of Holo and McNichol have had children born here, for example, does that add to their case at all?
1: don't think that adds to their case, adds to the case of their children, when their children are older, if they want to play for Wales. But uh, no, they happen to be working over here, and they've happened to have kids while, they, while they're working here. That, to me, that should make no difference whatsoever to the case of those two individuals. You know, If they wanted their children to be born in New Zealand, their wife or partner could have gone back to New Zealand and given birth there, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I know uh, of Welsh people who live over the border. They come back here to have their kids because they want their kids to be born in Wales. And I take it could be the other way round with English, uh, people who live in Wales. Mm. So uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know, the People they're trying to pull at the hard strings. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll leave the the residency
0: there for now because it's a very complex issue. I'm sure there's plenty of views out there. It's a, quite. Yeah, let a, let quite me just a, stress, mine. Uh, let me
1: just stress about these pair that um, uh, Pivak has gone by the rules and he's entitled to pick him. And uh, you know I've got no complaints about them being available for Wales, if they want to play for Wales.
0: So your your issue, perhaps, then is more with the rule itself rather than absolutely Pivac or anybody like that. Absolutely, isn't it? I think that's what's getting you know a lot of people are getting quite confused here when I see debates on social media and things like that. I think people largely have the same opinion, but. <laughs> Some people assume that, that people have taken umbrage with McNichol and Hal Holo personally, when I think a lot of people's um, displeasure really is more towards the rule than than anything else, and I think it's something that's going to rumble on into the next...
1: If anything, they're victims of the rule. Mm-hmm.
0: Well there you go, uh, we'll leave it there then and uh, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of views on that feel free to tweet either of us and let us know your thoughts and uh, we'll carry on the debate if you have any other views on the matter but let's talk about the players themselves then rather than the fact they were, that they're here on residency, let's start with Johnny McNichol, what what are the pros and cons of his call up and, and does he you know, regardless of the residency, does he actually deserve to be in the side based on, on what he can do on the pitch?
1: He certainly deserves to be in a squad in uh, my opinion I think he's a really good player and uh, because you know he can play fullback, you can play wing. I and and he told me before he's actually originally he was a sender, so there he gives you three options. Personally, I like him at fullback. I think that um, he was synonymous with the Scarlet Success when he won a Pro 12 two years ago. In fact, I would say he was the key figure in that playing at fullback. When Neon Williams interesting with that same year it was the Lions fullback was on a wing, because what McMillan McNe- offers is vision. A typical New Zealander does the basics so well. If it's not on to run it back, he kicks it back quite accurately. If it's on to run it back, he'll run it back. But what he's really good at doing is bringing support players into the game. He offloads exactly the right time. He's a master at drawing uh, uh, defenders, and he just does the right things at the right time. And he plays heads up rugby. He just sees what's happening ahead of him. Um, So that's the big uh, pro with him. The the con with him is sometimes his defense is... uh, is not, uh, is not fantastic although if you look at his title counting this year's uh, Pro 14 he's made a heck of a lot of titles so um, you know uh, interestingly his last two games he's been really quiet <laughs> and uh, you know struggled to make an impression but uh, I like Johnny McNichol I think if Wales is going to play that wider game that he could uh, you know he could have a role to play and a Bar-Bains is perfect match for seeing if he is up to international rugby all right, then what do you think when we come further in field and see Willis Halaholo in there? This is a,
0: you know another one that um, you know, there are people saying, what about Scott Williams and things like that? We've heard from the camp that they've spoken to Scott Williams and, and told him why he's not selected. In terms of Halaholo's qualities, as we said, Hill was up for press this week and, and we caught up with him as well to talk about why he's convinced that Willis Halaholo has what it takes to be a Test match player.
2: He just has those moments on the ball that a lot of people, a lot of players, wish they could have. With how quick he can move um, with his footwork, and he's he's quite he's quite a solid player. Like he's quite solidly built. So if you get you know that person like that running at you at speed who use late late footwork, they can they can either bust the gap or um, make an opportunity for someone else. So that's something that I think um, that Wales probably haven't had for the last. Last couple of seasons, they've got some really strong, robust centres where Willis brings that little bit of X-factor in there as well.
0: So Andy, that's what John Mulverhill thinks about it. What, what do you think about Willis Halaholo and what makes him um, a potential
1: centre candidate for Wales? Uh, because he can beat people with footwork. He's, a ex, he's so evasive, sidestep, swerves, whatever. He can beat people. He doesn't have to run through people to beat them. He can beat them for great footwork. And what that does, that means he often gets on outside shoulders or makes half a break. If you've got people playing off him, he can offload. And then you're already sort of behind the defensive line. The defence is in trouble. If he can do that, he doesn't have to make full break, and he has to make half break. So he's bringing footwork to the Wales team, potentially, which we haven't seen for a while. Uh, you know, let me. Ju- you know, Scott Williams. Let me just say, he's a really good player, but he has had that back issue. I can understand why Pivot wants to look at Haller now because he knows, because he explained in detail, he knows exactly what Scott Williams can do because he's coaching him for a few years. So uh, this this game's sort of chance. So Haller can offer if Wales people moaned they about Warren Ball. Wales, they're too predictable, they're too pedestrian, they just bang up the middle. Now they're going to try something else and they're bringing in the players who can play a different type of game because obviously you've got to um, uh, mould your game plan around the type of players you've got. If you've got a Jamie Roberts type, you're playing more regimented up the middle game. But with these guys, people say, oh, Wales need to be more expansive, they need to take t- um, players on. And now uh, Pivot has picked these players, he's having a stick already, we haven't seen him on the pitch yet, let's have a look at him and then we can make some decisions in the, in the big arena. I think
0: I know what your response is going to be to this, but the 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 question mark that lingers over both of them is their defence. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we've seen Halaholo look shaky at times, similar stuff with McNichol. You know, you know, the Barbarians is probably not going to expose that quite as much as, as it yeah. may be in a Six Nations match. So have you got
1: concerns about that aspect of their games? Yeah, I have, but uh, Halaholo has gone AWOL in some matches. Um, But Wales have already spoken to him about that. They've told him this a while ago about defence. What I will say about him, what I've seen of him, is the bigger the match, the better he's tended to um, defend, which you often get. You get that with the All Blacks. Bowen Barrett is not a good defender at um, at, uh, super rugby level. His tackling is quite poor uh, often. But once he's got the All Black shirt on, he does defend with more relish. Um, So... Alololo, what you've got to weigh up always do they bring more positives and negatives in wales we tend to focus on the negatives you know and these pay to me potentially could bring a lot of negatives you know i i like i think they deserve an opportunity when you look at the uh, competition particularly for ala in the center wales you know need more centers we are shorter centers it's a problem position as in depth and um so he certainly deserves an, an opportunity. Let's see what he can do, and if we can, if that means Wales can broaden their game plan. All right. The other the other thing to consider is we always talk about these four-year cycles.
0: You know, it's hitting the reset button. You know, you've got a new coaching staff, which only sort of adds to that as well. You know, because everything they do should really be trying to build towards putting Wales in a great position uh, come twenty twenty-three. Um, again, not 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 touching on any of the residency stuff. The fact remains that these two are twenty-nine years of age. Yeah. Is that a concern?
1: With a bit younger Jonathan Davis. And Scott Scott Williams is no spring chicken either. Well with Adley Parks is not either. So Wales got quite a lot of older centres if you like. You know, I don't see a problem with a thirty two year old playing in a World Cup or thirty three year old in the back, so I'd potentially see a problem with a thirty five year old playing or thirty six year old. Um Wales you know, Wales got a chasm of centres. There's Owen Watkin. He's been good defending and all, but still question marks about him with the ball, and about pace for international level. You know he's a work in progress. We need to see more of him uh, starting. So you, you know, I I've seen since the World Cup Wales, I've seen people pick Wales's team for the next World Cup. Well, it's Dad's army, as far as I'm concerned. You know a lot of old players in it. To me, I hope a lot of those players don't make a World Cup because like, what I want is younger players to be coming through to force them out. You know it's like what well, they they say, anything about the old Wild West. Gunfighters, Guy who was uh, top of the trade, shooting everyone down, eventually someone always comes along, finishes them off. Well, that's why you're open rugby, don't you? Actually, so I'm open, boys are going to come through, like you, and Thomas Wheeler, that type of y- young lad, and players like I am going to force out the older players, like Jonathan Davis, like Scott Williams, like Willis Harlow, uh, Why not? But I don't see an issue with those guys being like 28, uh, 29, and, uh, you can't expect uh, lads to be... Um, you couldn't just throw young lads in the know for four years' time, as Pivicke acknowledged himself, this is a real results business, and you've got to get results in the meantime.
0: All right, then, let's, uh, let's move on slightly then to another one of the, the sort of hot topics in Welsh rugby this week. Uh, former Wales boss Warren Gatland has released his book uh, recently. Uh, a lot of uh, interesting little anecdotes in there, one of which... Um, is almost his blueprint for what he thinks should happen uh, within the regions just to give you a slight overview of it he's, he's um, talked about the Scarlets and the Ospreys potentially merging um, he's talked about the regions putting coaching and facilities first and players last as in they need to focus on getting the right coaches and facilities in place before investing in their squads and um, He's also touched on a, an eight-club premiership and potentially uh, the WIU looking at North Wales as, as an area of growth as well. Um, what do you make... You know, this has caused quite a stir in, in Welsh
1: rugby this week. What what do you make of what Gatlin's saying there? About the uh, regions, I agree with him. Uh, I've always thought there should have been a North Wales uh, region, as David Moffitt laid out before it went uh, regional in 2003. Um why 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 do you think that why there should have be North Wales mm. because a million people live up there there's loads of good players for this coming for the system there's potentially huge sponsors up there they've got a good setup they' are backed by the by councils. The sport and it should be tapped, like in Australia, with ACT Brumbies, with we, we, outstanding uh, success. The Wales professionally should be covered, like in New Zealand, you've got franchises cover every part of New Zealand. Wales should have the system. here now instead you've got uh, your four regional teams. They're all um, south of the uh, M4. It's uh, ridiculous. All their um, all their grounds. I think I'm right in saying that. Obviously, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, it. Moffitt was right at the time Gatland's right Really, there should, only be, there should have only been one West Wales team because what Gatland says they're competing for the same sponsors they're competing for the same rugby supporters in the area I know it's the tribal thing there but what Gatland means is they should have um, set up a team something like I suppose West Wales Warriors or something like that for everyone to get around because at the moment crowds being split between the two. And I mean you could argue they played each other, Scarlett and Ospreys, end of last season, play off to get in the champions cup. Ospreys won it, and to be honest, the crowd was hugely disappointing. Was that the core audience of both teams? And and to me there was the answer. Why well, perhaps you should should only add one team. However we're that far down the road now. We're 16 years into regional rugby. You, I don't see how you could, uh, unless they wanted to merge, don't see how you can do it now. I think we have uh, uh, left with what we were. Personally, myself, if I was setting up regional rugby today, looking at how it's gone, with fi- how much finances is available, I would have three teams in Wales. I would have an East Wales team, West Wales and North Wales. So, so those teams would be playing Swansea, Lanethy, Cardiff, Newport, Colwyn B and Wrexham. Big matches in Wrexham where Wills e A have played a sellout out Crows in the past.
0: Alright then moving on to the second point and uh, do you think the regions have got their approach to things slightly wrong in terms of focusing a lot of their investment on, on the playing squad um, rather than getting the, the coaches and the facilities, right? I mean, we've seen where? some of the regions. Obviously, you know, the Cardiff Blues jumps out at you there, having to move uh, back in at the Arms Park to train, um, leaving there yeah. yeah but they were paying over a veil. million
1: a year there to, to train at the Vale, and you know, I don't see how the Vale was any better than, than where they're training now. To be honest, they got plastic pitch and uh, the German is adequate uh, so I don't see an issue they're saving a million quid as far as uh, I'm, con- uh, I'm concerned so that's turned out to be I think a good move so you don't agree with Gatlin? yeah I do that agree regardless. but I look at the facilities there's nothing wrong. with the facilities the Ospreys got since they moved to in 14 years ago Fantastic. Dragons have got fantastic good facilities at their uh, Astridmanick HQ, and the Scarlets they got an indoor barn. Everything they got fantastic facilities. So I think he's wrong about facilities. Where he's right about is about coaching. We have had good coaches at times in Wales, but I think he's dead right. And I will use Warren Gatland as example. If Warren Gatland or Graham Henry, who previously coached Wish, if either of them had coached the Ospreys, they would have won the Ionian Cup. Simple as that with their squad because those guys are that good coaching and their mind management and getting the players heads that they can win these tournaments like Justin Marshall New Zealand great when he played for the Ospreys the one thing he couldn't he could never get his head round was how frail the confidence was of Ospreys Wales players and, uh, and that's what they needed you know Gatland Gatlin, actually, the one week before we, uh, Ospreys picked Gloucester and he had a huge Iron Gun Cup match, he actually did some of the coaching of the Ospreys forwards. And they that weekend, they turned out one of their best ever forward performances. They demolished Gloucester. So, uh, yeah, so there's example of coaching. And uh, from what my sources are telling me, and I'm incredible with sources here, from my app, uh, it's like Dean Ryan is doing a great job at the... Um, at the uh, Dragons and people are telling me watch out for the Dragons so you've got loads of good young players Ryan is educating those uh, players and you can see all his experience of having coach Gloucester Bristol uh, Worcester being high up in the RFU being an international rugby player. So it's going to be interesting to see how they develop over the uh, next couple of years. Where If you look at the head coaches, and nothing against these guys, the other three Welsh regions at the minute, the Scarlets, Brad Moy, I think, is doing a good job. You've got John Melville there at the Blues, good bloke, and Alan Clark at the Ospreys. This is in a professional environment, so I'm told this is the three of them's first jobs as head coaches. They were previously assistants. Brad at the uh, Crusaders. Uh, Melville in uh in, in it being Western Force and out in Japan and uh Alan Clark out in uh, Ulster. So they are learning they haven't learned the the role. As when a coach it's different to being an assistant coach, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm okay interesting and then finally then there was the the point about the Welsh Premiership perhaps not being uh, ideally you talked about an eight club uh, top division Welsh Premiership uh, Premiership has been tinkered with a lot in recent years and and whether it's been good for the league or not is really up for debate you know are we are we in a
1: position to start messing with it again uh, He's probably you probably going to have to give it a bit of a chance. Now, what Gatlin actually wanted, he wanted 16 teams divided into two divisions. So, first division, premier division, if you like, and a first division. Which is not far off what they had a few years yeah, back. Yeah, because that's what they tried to do, didn't they, in a different sort of way uh, mm. a few years ago when they separated for the second half of the season. It was like a halfway house. Of course, uh, a lot of people weren't happy with that from the club, so that ended it. If you only had 18 uh, premiership... That means 14 fixtures, which is not enough. So how do you fill the rest of your season? How do you play each other three times? How do you play in other competitions? You know, I tell you what the ideal world would be to me. It would be Europe played in one block. The regions, just one block like Super Rugby. The Guinness Pro 14, cut in half. I.e., so you either play just home or away, halving the number of fixtures. And then some stages and the situation, you have like an NPC or Curry Cup. Uh, type competition where okay perhaps your Wales squad players don't play in that unless it's the fringe ones but players then revert to clubs and play in a competition which would lift the standards of club rugby and players coming through that's what I, that's my dream but it's not going to happen for it I, I'm going to throw something at you now
0: um, everything Gatlin has spoken about and I think he's acknowledged this uh, would require um, a lot of people to put their own interests to one side for what Gatlin believes would be the betterment of Welsh rugby as a whole. M- my opinion on these things has long been that there's, <laughs> not a, perhaps a myth, but, you know, the, the the notion that everybody is in this together, as is often trotted out by those at the top of the game, is wrong. Absolutely. I think... I think what we've got at every level of the game is everybody looking out for their own interests. And there's sure. nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. You know, If I was in charge of a rugby club somewhere, mm-hmm. I would be looking out for my rugby club first and foremost. And I think everybody's right to do that. But given what Gatlin is saying here and the changes that he is suggesting, will any of these things ever happen, given that you know everybody's mindset, in my opinion, fairly enough, is always to look after themselves rather than see what Gatland perceives to be a bigger picture.
1: Uh, the only way this could happen would be between a natural a merger or a team going bust at pro level, uh, you, you know, and thrown in a towel if you like, which nearly happened last season with the Scarlets Ospreys uh, thing. You know, with the fact that these sort of Ospreys are going to be wound up I suppose and go with that and the WIU then had North Wales on standby because don't, let's don't forget they already got their Premier team in North Wales and it's a region but at that level so everything's in place up there to go up another level if they wanted you know the players then would, um talking about contracts in North Wales and there could be more money on offer up there to get people to go up you know to go and play up there attract them you know that people would go where the jobs are Um, so that's you know so that could be done Um, the Premier thing uh seems on the face of it, perhaps the easiest thing, but there would be so much opposition from the clubs. Uh Self-interest is going to be very difficult to, uh, uh, to to get that underway as well, to we have an eight-club cl- uh, premiership. What you would need, what you need is the actual regions, and maybe Martin Phillips and the WIU, exactly, trying to work towards this, is uh, for the regions and those clubs to be working in far uh, closer harmony, because there was a situation when we had uh, 16 uh uh, 16 teams there were four from each uh, region you know being in the uh, Welsh premiership so they could develop players through four, um through each of those four teams so if you got eight teams you could have two clubs from each region and uh, in theory then if it was um, uh, ospreys uh, two clubs I uh, you know for example say it was um, Bridgend and Swansea or uh, Bridgend and Neath would have the you know players you want to uh, uh, want to be playing at that level so mm.
0: All right, then it's an interesting debate, and I'm sure again, you know, it's not the last that we're going to hear about this. Uh, but moving on to the final part of the show, then, and um, our colleague Mark Orders has done a piece this week um, talking about the Welsh players who are coming out of contracts at the end of the year. Um, they are obviously Ross Moriarty, Gareth Davis, Justin Tipperick, Rhys Patchell, Ali Davis, Corey Hill. And then outside of Wales is uh, Reese Webb and Liam Williams. So, my question to you, Anne, would be what is the most important bit of business amongst all that, whether it be keeping a player in Wales or
1: potentially bringing back uh, a Liam Williams or Reese Webb? Uh, not bothered about bringing either of those back. Um, you know, I think they've been away. Uh couple of years now and uh webb's case now wales is uh, quite blessed for scrum halves you talked earlier about age about Hallo, McNichol. world cup where webb's older than him. you know he's in a warburton camp uh and a tipperish camp for age so he's probably wouldn't make the next world uh, cup um so i wouldn't be bothered about you know targeting webb in particular uh ospreys need to be defending uh defending uh developing a uh Young scrum-ass like the, uh, what's the boy's name? Morgan, is it? Harry Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, people like that, you know. So uh, Liam Williams, position he's in Wales. Region's quite well-blessed around it. Personally, I'll no bother with him. I think the two players there you want to tie down are Moriarty. I think he's rightly stays in Wales because he hasn't got enough caps. Not doing. I think he'll want to stay in Wales because obviously he can't be a better buzzer playing international rugby Okay, it'd be great, plus, for the exit the Chiefs on a weekly basis, but it's still not playing international rugby. So, and, it, and, and p- listeners need to bear this in mind as well. It's huge money if you're winning, you're playing for Wales and you're winning. These Welsh players, for the last 13 months, I would have thought before stoppages, they probably pocketed in the best part of 150 grand each, which is a lot of money on top of their regional salaries. So when you would factor that in, they earn as much as they would be in England, perhaps more. Over the last certain months, but of course you're not guaranteed that. It depends on selection and match the uh, squad. But Moriarty, I think he's uh, important. The other, uh, I picked two others out of that as well. I think Rhys Patchell is because I think we need our playmakers playing in Wales in uh, Welsh uh, rugby, and all teams need good playmakers. That's the key to um, you know uh, good campaigns. So I think it's important Patchell as well. He's quite still quite young. We need him to stay in Wales and develop here and be working with the coaches all the time because the pivot regime, they intend going out and they've already started doing a lot more work themselves with the regions, which is a good thing. And the other one I would uh, actually pick out of that lot is uh, Corey Hill. Now, whether or not he'd be wanted outside Wales with big money, I do not know. But, um, you know, he was joint captain with Ellis Jenkins of Wales in... Uh, uh, in Argentina and against South Africa uh, last year, and potentially he could be the next uh, w- uh, Wales captain because he's uh, you know he's uh, proven with Wales to be a, a born leader. And uh, okay, he hasn't played for ages because of fitness issues, but he's uh, you need him like Alan wynne Jones, uh, you know, did the job for years at the Ospreys as captain. You need Corey captain in a, in a region and being involved in that uh, in that Wales setup. You
0: mentioned two current Dragons players there. What do you think the Dragons' chances are of keeping uh, both of those guys? I mean, a lot of Dragons fans, for example, thinking they're not getting value for money with Ross Moriarty yeah, but in he particular. Was
1: injured. He had the concussions, didn't he, last season? So you missed a lot of rugby through that. So they're thinking that. Ah, but, uh, you know, if the Dragons kick on, they will need players like Ross Moriarty. If they were playing in the Champions Cup, you wouldn't need Ross Moriarty, you know, big big lads. Mm. So you do need that player. So I think they are, uh, yes, they've got loads of back rowers. But um, and young team Basham was in the world squads. Fantastic prospect. Play right across the back row. Would he be? I doubt though he'd be a number eight at the top level because he's a bit light. Um, so Moriarty, you know the Dragons. Okay, they need, and they're going to be governed by pay bands. Even if he plays for the Dragons or somewhere else, he's going to be at the same bit in the same pay band. So uh, really, they need to uh, try and keep him, and he, he should play World Cup. By the way he should play a lot more matches for him, and then particularly next, like next season, if they uh, if they do keep him, and then they've talked about other. But Basham, for example, he signed a new contract. But the vibes I'm getting, and this is not from the the Dragons, this is from I, I, the I, I, I ranking people, is that the Dragons with the squad, they got, once they get some, they gain confidence, they again better. So they've got huge potential and they've been really well coached. You know, from what I, the vibes I'm getting is Dean Ryan is a standout coach at the moment. And he's, uh, you know, and how he works with those players and what he's doing with them and how he's educating them about the game. So it seems to me at the moment, they're in a pretty good place and bodies, possibly want to stay there, uh, stay then and develop. I don't think, it, for example, uh, you know, say Moss Mariotti, went to the Blues is he going to have better coaching than he's having at Dragons or if he went to the Ospreys is he going to have better coaching than he's having at the Dragons some people I've spoken to would dispute that All right, then that seems like a a good place to leave it for our second
0: podcast of the week, of course. So there's plenty going on this weekend. The regions are back in European action. and There's going to be plenty of games going on over Friday, Saturday and Sunday. We'll keep you up to date on all of that. And then we're into next week. And then suddenly we've got more international rugby to bring you. It's not a cap match, but Wales obviously playing the Barbarians uh, in just over a week's time. Obviously, Warren Gatland back in town with the Barbarians and it's Wayne Pivak's first game. So it's going to be a particularly busy week on the rugby front you can make sure you stay up to date with all of that on Wales Online